Today we're joined by our first, but hopefully not last, Swedish guest, Susanne Holmsetter, who is the Nordic's lead for Shopify. And Shopify is an all-in-one uh, all commerce platform that millions of companies around the world, both small and large companies, use to sell their products. Welcome to the show, Susanne. Thank you so much, Joshua. Um, I've been curious to hear a little bit about your background. How did you come to work at uh, Shopify? What brought you here? Oh, well, it's um, it's not that complicated of a story, but I've always been uh, interested in commerce to begin with. And um, after studying economics, um, I ended up trying my wings um, at a few different uh, companies, but soon found my way to this incredible Swedish startup called Ticktail. And I had opportunity for, to work there for a little while uh, before we got the news of an acquisition that was going to happen. And this was um, at the end of 2018. So I'd been working at Tiktel at the time for mm, about a year and a half or something like that. And that acquirer of the company was Shopify. So by the end of 2018, me and the rest of the Tiktel team, we got acquired into the big Shopify mothership and I've been working there since. So it's coming on four and a half years now. Okay, that's amazing. I didn't know about the, the acquisition. Uh, but that, that's really no, cool. It's, um, yeah, it, it it was a really exciting time and a and a great experience, and it's it's beautiful to see how well that um, acquisition went and how well we merged together because Shopify and Ticktail shared so much of the same sentiment around making commerce better for everyone. And yeah, it just feels like we we went from a, kind of a small team to a huge global team, but still with the same goals and uh, and the same mission, which which was um, yeah a real cultural fit in that regard. That's really awesome. Uh, and I know that acquisitions can be hard, especially when it comes to culture, different expectations, etc. But um, really glad that you guys had a successful transition into the mothership. Um, <laughs> yeah, four and a half years later, I'm still here. So <laughs> that's a good sign. So yeah, commerce is, is what I'm really excited to talk to you about today. So if we could just start off by setting the stage, kind of from a Nordic context, how would you describe the last couple of years in maybe especially e commerce, but commerce as a whole, like what has what has been happening? What have the, the what have been the biggest changes in the last couple of years? Oh my God, the biggest changes. That's that's a big question, but but the word change is really what's been defining these last couple of years. And the ability to thrive on that change, to adapt and go with that change is something that I think have been at the core of what commerce have had to do in general, just like as any type of actor involved in commerce, you'd have to roll a bit with the punches. And some have even thrived in terms of understanding where the trends are going and adapt them, adapting for them, maybe even sometimes before they happen. Um, so I'd say change is definitely the world. And then the biggest changes, obviously, the, it's, it's, it's impossible not to mention the pandemic in terms of a, a tidal shift or change in consumer behaviors out of necessity, which um, made lots of companies having to turn online, maybe for some for the first time in um, uh, in the history of those companies. Uh, and now, as the pandemic um, shifted or as at least restrictions have lifted and, and changed over the world, we see companies again having to adapt and change to a new environment where consumers are also looking for that um, in-person experience. And then 
in parallel with this, you have social commerce booming across the world in so many different ways. Um, as a business today, it's all about meeting your customer where your customer is, and that can be across multiple platforms and different touch points. And I'd say that change in consumer behavior is also driving a lot of the overall change we see in commerce. Yeah, so you, you mentioned obviously the pandemic and there was a big, that kind of led to e-commerce penetration just skyrocketing. Is are we now seeing a reversal? You think of going, like going not just slowing down e-commerce growth, but are we seeing a switch from from e-commerce towards retail, brick and mortar? What do you think is is going to happen? Well, I think it's that's again an interesting question because we have this tendency of sort of putting retail and e-commerce e-commerce as two opposites of a spectrum, where actually they go really tight together. At Shopify, we don't look at them as two different things we look at it all as commerce. So instead of saying, you know, there's um, decline here and increase there, it's just about companies adapting and finding a way to, like I said before, sort of meeting their customers where they are. Um, so it's, it's definitely, you know, when we look at retail, what Shopify has been doing over these last couple of years is making sure that we can support our merchants in the best possible way in their um, in the retail effort. So that's why we've launched Shopify POS. Uh, we're now live in 14 countries. One of the latest uh, additions to that list is actually Finland. So we launched Shopify Payments and POS. And when I say POS, I mean our software and hardware, uh, which was super exciting. And as we've been looking at how our customers behave, or sorry, as how our merchants behave, you know, in the first half of 2022, sales made by merchants using Shopify's point of sale actually grew by nearly 60%. So there's, there's definitely uh, that aspect, but we also see this massive adaptions to what I mentioned to be social commerce and how they work um, in other channels in their online space. So so it all sort of, it all comes together. Now, it's all commerce. Got it. And so would you say that a company wants to thrive in this new kind of environment? It's um, they can no longer think about just e-commerce being focusing only on one aspect. They would have to think about like really finding meeting customers across a lot of different channels to make sure that they're um, yeah. Would you say you have to take that kind of broad holistic perspective now in order to thrive? Well, yes, I think I think for most companies, it's really about understanding how their consumers potentially change and how the consumer's behavior potentially change. And if that means that their consumers are moving to new platforms, whether that's um, moving between online and offline or moving between, let's say, social, social channels like YouTube or TikTok, it's important to understand that type of behavior and then to adapt for it so that you're always present where your customer is. And I mean... I think I think something that could be interesting to know here is like we saw social commerce orders on Shopify quadruple year over year. So that's also an indication that we we see this across businesses, because sometimes I feel these questions are like, should businesses do X, Y, Z? And it's so much depends on the type of business we're looking at, what kind of products are they selling? What's their target audience? Where are they located? And there's so many nuances. What service are they offering? What kind of community have they built? So, of course, that question has a, a multitude of answers, but Overall, I'd say with social commerce in particular, we do see a strong trend there, um, and that crosses a lot of industries. So yeah, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, could you explain for the audience, maybe who doesn't, um, who's not familiar with social uh, social commerce, uh, what it what it is, 
what it means and why it's such an important trend right now. Yeah, of course. So social commerce is basically the use of different kinds of social media platforms like Facebook or Instagram uh, to market and sell products and services. Um, and this type of selling model lets customers complete their purchases without leaving the social media apps. And it's a more convenient, perhaps interactive shopping experience, uh, which might be one of the explanations why it's become so popular um, in the last couple of years. Um, and um, and like I mentioned, we've seen social commerce quadruple year over year on Shopify. So it's definitely a consumer behavior that's, that's very, very prominent at this time. Um, and, you know, companies, as they look at their target audiences and potentially even new audience. It's it's really interesting to to dive into those and understand, okay, so where are those audiences most active? Where are they more likely to make a purchase? How can I create a community with that audience on those different platforms? Um, and, you know, I see some great examples of brands that we work with here in the Nordics, actually, that I find very fascinating. One, one of these brands are Astrid Wild. They have this brilliant co-creation um, uh, setup that they basically develop their products together with their community on Instagram. And that allows them both to create this, this sense of, of community and camaraderie between their buyers, between the, the people who use their outdoor products. And it's also a really interesting way to engage with your with your consumers. And, you know, we'll probably dive into customer acquisition costs and all of this, but I think social commerce and the way that you can think creatively about that and creatively about your community building will also help you as a brand and as a business with uh, um, with the, the challenges that's been coming uh, in the last uh, little while with uh, with the, the increase in customer acquisition costs. Okay, so, and so it's essentially also about moving from a mindset uh, where these social channels are just for driving traffic to your website, like they're just acquisition channels to actually you're moving part of the customer experience and the shopping itself to those platforms. Exactly. It's about, yeah, you're you're decreasing the amount of steps that the customer has to take to purchase a product from you, which is brilliant, right? And that also, we, we know that decreasing the amount of clicks helps with conversion. So this is basically a, a really, really strong conversion tool. Hmm. That, that's a really good point to just thinking about that very simply, like decreasing the amount of clicks like that can have a really big impact on conversion rate. Is there anything else you're seeing in terms of consumer behavior trends that things that are becoming important, like almost like table stakes, like you have to have these things, whether it's with regard to shipping or returns or what are the kind of the things, the expectations, changing expectations from consumers when it comes to shopping online or shopping in general? Oh, yeah, that's a big question. Um, I mean, we see a number of different trends. I, I think I can go pretty local here. One interesting trend that we are seeing in Sweden uh, or with Nordic merchants actually in general is the changing in customer behaviors around sustainability and how much more important that's become over the recent couple of years. Um, and so when we did some research through Shopify's platform, you know, we have millions of consumers buying from Shopify brands globally each year. Um, we saw that 78% of, of, of the people we asked in the Nordics will prefer quality products that last over time, even though they might be slightly more expensive. Um, and 
that to, that's to say, in addition to this, like I think it was around 70% of respondents are actually willing to pay more for those uh, durable products. Um, and, you know, we, we can't talk about this without talking about Gen Z and the millennials. But in Sweden specifically, um, these groups are increasingly inclined to explore the sustainability aspect through these new shopping channels, including the social networks. Um, but uh, I find it interesting. There, there's another sort of data point around this that, that we can talk about a little bit, and that's um, we we know that you know the uncertainty with uh, the the um, the global economy makes consumers sort of tighten their spending a little bit. But um, we saw that I think it was around forty percent are cautious around their spending. But um, on the other hand, the positive trend is that Swedish consumers think sustainability uh, is so important that more than half, sixty-ish percent, say that they shop sustainability. Uh, the like the amount of sustainability they shop today will continue, uh, or they'll actually even shop more uh, in twenty twenty three. So it's like that aspect of their shopping isn't necessarily impacted by the uh, the the economic environment to the degree that you might think it would be. That's really interesting. So for companies, it can actually make a lot of just economic sense as well to invest in sustainability because it may be give them kind of a durable competitive advantage. And it's not it's something that consumers in the Nordics are willing to pay for. Exactly. And that can also be a way of community building. We see uh, there's another really exciting brand within the H&M group actually called Singular Society um, that work on Shopify and they have a really strong sustainable approach to the way that they um, a create uh, this membership around the, the as a consumer, you have to become a member to purchase from them, but also in their in their production methods and the quality of the products that they deliver. Um, and that's, again, this just opportunity to build a narrative around your brand, build a context that consumers can feel connected to when they buy from you. Um, and if we jump back quickly, I, I feel like I also really wanted to mention something on the on this uh, community building aspect of social commerce, I actually saw that uh, the Swedish brand Totem launched their Totem app just a matter of weeks ago. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, I really think that's uh, an interesting thing to check out because this is just a brilliant next step of getting your consumers into one place and to create that really close bond with them. I mean, imagine if you get your consumers to download an app on their phone and the things that you can then do together with your consumers in that app, like that's a really strong um, bonding experience between a brand and its consumers. You, you you mentioned a couple of examples and you've seen with and worked with brands that are really excelling at this kind of new new type of marketing and, and co-creation with with together with customers. Uh, what do you think this kind of transition requires from companies? Like, do you need what kind of skill sets does, does it require like technology or is it just about creativity or content or like what do companies need to be able to start doing this, start like really taking advantage of some of these social social commerce um, commerce trends like can any company do this or do you need like specific skill sets or resources to be able to do it 
Well, I'm of the mindset that I think anybody with a high level of curiosity can basically do anything, right? It's all about figuring it out. And if you're curious and if you're eager to invest time in exploring what's important to your consumers, where they are spending most of their time, what they care about in your brand, then as a brand owner, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of what you can create. Of course, there are brilliant people working with this as a profession and you can go that route too. I'm not saying that's the wrong way. What I'm saying here is I definitely think that any brand can move into the social commerce space and do it well as long as they stay open-minded, stay curious, and that they invest the time to really understand what it is that their consumers are looking for in them and how they can leverage the brand values that they're building with these consumers to basically strengthen the community that they're looking to create and then just be persistent and be um you know don't do it as a one-off i'd say this is something you have to work on continuously it's it's not a a one-stop shop and you you do one thing and then you sort of have it figured out it's really about continuously creating value continuously staying up to date and feeling um um yeah, kind of want to use the word newsworthy, but like feeling like you're creating value for your consumers that gives them reason to come back day after day or month after month and year after year. I think that's such an important point of like the continue continuity. If you just think of this as something that we're going to try once, we'll figure it out in two weeks. And yeah. if, it, if you don't, then it doesn't work. Like, and, and I think also just like the general mindset of humility, because essentially what we're saying here is that we have to operate maybe more on the consumers kind of on, on their based on their convenience, based on their expectations, based on their preferences. Like we're not this brand in the ivory tower dictating what thing, how things should be. We have to actually kind of work together with our customers and be very open minded. Definitely. Exactly. It just, yeah, be open minded and have big ears, if that makes sense. It's like, listen closely. And I, I, again, I, I tend to sort of go back to, to the Astrid Wild example, but they're, they're really keeping their ear to the ground, listening to what their consumers are saying, what they're asking for. And imagine as a consumer really feeling that connection to the brand. Like I, you know, I suggested that they change the color of this outdoor jacket that they're producing. And here they are launching it like a month later. The, the, the connection grows so strong because you're a co-creator with that brand. So it's also that that benefit of really basically expanding your team in one sense and that everybody uh, gains from. Yeah, it could really be a win-win, win-win model for sure. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about something that's on a lot of companies' minds, which is uh, customer acquisition costs. So what are you seeing there and how should companies be thinking about it in 2023. Yeah, so I mean, we we all we've all seen seen the data uh, on this or sort of the change here that customer acquisition costs has risen significantly and you and I have spent some time already talking about the 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 importance of social commerce and the abilities to build communities and when customer acquisition costs rise the question becomes well what's the trade-off here? Like how much money should I spend on acquiring new customers versus how can I think creatively or financially around the, the retention of my existing customer base and how can I um, increase repeat purchases? How can I strengthen my community and make sure that they come back? Um, and so what we've seen here is really how social commerce as one of those uh, tools have made it um, 
let's say, th that's offered an opportunity to work with retention and work with the existing customer base to keep customer acquisition costs, um, you know, leveled or at pace that it's, uh, um, that retention becomes increasingly important. Uh, and then, you know, we talked about engaging the community. Um, and I think, you know, it's, um, when we say creating the community, I think we also need to talk about, you know, not only social commerce, but we can even look back to what we talked about in the beginning between where you meet your consumer digitally or in real life. And so how can you work with retention across multiple channels? If you have a store experience, what can you do in store that you can translate to the social experience that you can translate to your newsletter or to your website? How can you create an experience that follows your consumers across all of those channels to really meet also the consumer when they're ready to purchase, right? That you're there when they need you to be. Um, so that's something that I think can can definitely help there. And then Shopify did a really interesting move uh, just recently. They uh, or we acquired a company called Dovetail. Uh, if you haven't checked out Dovetail, uh, you can Google it. But that's now been merged into Shopify, and it's called Shopify Collabs, which gives our merchants the ability to connect with the creator community uh, of influencers and and similarly, and basically set up collaborations between the brands and these creators uh, to to reach uh, new audiences. So at Shopify, we're continuously trying to find new ways, new products to help our merchants um, when they want to look for new customers in creative ways and to find uh, new ways to balance out that customer acquisition cross, uh, cost across different type of tools and channels. Um, so those are a few of sort of the um, tools to use, but also ways to think about customer acquisition costs versus retention and, and, and so on. That's really good. And, and just the, the Shopify Collapse, is that also now available in the Nordics? Well, so Shopify Collapse is a fairly new thing. So I'd say most creators are probably, uh, and I have to double check on this, but mostly still in North America. But what's interesting with the Nordic merchants, at least um, to my experience, is that while we have Nordic merchants that are definitely focused primarily on the Nordics, and you know we are uh, looking forward to seeing all of our products, including Shopify Collapse, expand internationally uh, at a rapid pace, a lot of Nordic merchants are also focused internationally. And they, you know, we have that, um, as Northerners, almost, uh, it's almost like natively that we have to do so. Like at some point, um, merchants in the Nordics tend to look to the rest of Europe and also to the US. So I think for Nordic merchants that are on that journey, on the internationalization journey, and they're looking to expand into new markets, in that regard, it could be really interesting to look into product features like this one, because it can allow us an extra lever to help penetrate a new market. That's such a good point, um, international, internationalization, where we're thinking about like, where are the pockets for growth? Um, maybe especially in the US because the purchasing power is, is, is stronger there than Europe at the moment, at least. So what what are maybe some tips that you would give to uh, like a Nordic Nordic brands as they're thinking about expanding in the rest of Europe, expanding into the US? Like what are what are some things they need to think about? Well, I think 
you know, I'm coming from the Shopify perspective here, so it's obviously going to be quite product-centric around our platform, but one of the most amazing updates we had come out of last year, uh, at least if you ask me, is Shopify Markets. It's uh, the ability to basically build your brand from a single admin and sell to multiple countries at once in a much more efficient way uh, than what was possible in the past. And so Shopify Market is basically a plug-and-play way of adding on new markets, new um countries to sell to. And with Shopify, the way that we move internationally is by making sure that we have shipping integration, local payment options, that we have a suite of um, tools and product availability that allows our merchants to basically focus on what they want to do, focus on their products, and then the technical aspects covered by Shopify so they can, again, in that sense of the word, plug and play with how they want to set up, let's say, their U.S. store. Um, so I definitely say check out Shopify markets and how that can help enable a quick international expansion. And then it's all about understanding what does the uh, customer group look like in this, these new markets. And uh, and I, I, I always recommend if you have the bandwidth to do some A-B testing between different groups, type of messaging uh, and strategies in terms of, well, when you do enter a new market, it is about customer acquisition, right? So thinking about what are, what are strategies that are helpful there for your uh, particular customer group. That's, a, I think, a good reminder for people because I don't think, I think a lot of companies have not really realized how Tools like Shopify have made it, have reduced or lowered the barriers to entry when it comes to internationalization. It's gotten much, much easier. Um, again, be, with tools like Shopify, it's, it's actually incredibly, incredibly easy to do. So that could absolutely be something to. to yeah, into. and 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 another thing that 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 adds onto this is our new Translate and Adapt app. So you're saying, what are the things to sort of consider? Like I mentioned shipping options, I, me I mentioned payment methods, but of course, language, currency, these things are equally important. And with Translate and Adapt app, you can also quickly translate your store and you can adapt it to match the different markets. Perhaps you have different products available for different markets. There is also uh, nuances uh, there to be considered. So I'd, um, yeah, I'd, I'd highly encourage to check out both of those things. Um, Shopify Markets was actually released uh, in 2022 during an event that we call uh, Shopify Editions. So our first editions happened last summer. And um, I don't know if we should uh, get into that at this point, but we actually had a really uh, exciting thing happen just yesterday with the winter edition launch. So the second edition ever uh, launched on Shopify just yesterday. Yeah, I, I checked it out just actually yesterday. Someone sent me the link. Um, yeah, let's get into it. I, I saw the look through the list. There was a lot of interesting stuff. What what kind of excites you most about the the new launches? Well, so for anybody who hasn't heard about Shopify Editions before, I'd say, first of all, Shopify Editions is our biannual digital experience and event where we produce the narrative around the 100 plus product updates that Shopify has been working on in the past six months or more or less since our last editions. So while the editions we launched in the summer of 22 was under the theme Connect to Consumer, um, related to a lot of sort of the co social commerce and community conversations you and I have had here today, the new editions or the winter editions of 23 is focused around built to last. And I think some of the most exciting updates there, and especially from a Nordic perspective, has to do with the ability to customize checkout to uh, a larger um, extent. So it's basically been enhancements to our check checkout capabilities. And we know like the checkout is one of the most critical functions in the sales process. So we at Shopify, we're, we're, we're 
we're we're focused on making uh, sure that we have the internet's best converting checkout, and we want to make that even more streamlined. So if you go into Shopify Editions uh, um, and and check it out, you can read about exactly what all of this means. So Shopify uh, checkout will default to a one-page experience that's optimized uh, using learnings from uh, our own payment uh, tool, Shop Pay. Um, and there's a bunch of other really cool features added to it. Um, and then if, you, uh, if you've ever checked out the Shop app, and if you haven't, I suggest you do. Um, we have also made uh, changes and improvements to the Shop app to help merchants offer a better mobile experience to their customers. Uh, so that's also an app that, um, that I uh, encourage uh, our Nordic merchants uh, and, of, of course, consumers to check out. Awesome. Uh, was there anything there with regard to retention? Um, and those things activation in the in the launch. Well, I th oh, there's there's about nine product areas uh, across Shopify editions, um, and well, this doesn't exactly tap onto retentions, but one thing, but it taps into um, how to think about customers uh, more broadly and also customer acquisition costs and how to think about new markets, how to think about expanding your brand. And one of the recent updates that, that was launched also before uh, this editions, but where enhancements are uh, being made and we've uh, released some updates around the, this particular feature now as well, is our business to business offering. So that's also one of those areas where I, I highly encourage anybody interested in what adding a business to business offering to perhaps your D2C uh, business could look like and what it means on Shopify. Uh, that's also a yeah super, super exciting feature launch. Um, and then there's a bunch of updates in there around our headless offering, Hydrogen. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's, there's a lot in there. Yeah, you, the, the developers have been busy, clearly. They have um, been busy. Yeah, Shopify is a product first company. So it's 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 at the core of what we do. Yeah. And just speaking from my own experience working, a lot of quite a few of our clients are on Shopify and I've had some experience myself working there. And it is um, just from a user point of view, extremely easy to use, extremely, extremely powerful. And I think one of the cool things is that it, it if you're a solopreneur, like just starting out, like Shopify is probably the easiest way to get started. But also if you're a billion dollar brand, like you can use Shopify or, or some of the components of Shopify to sell. So it's like covers the entire market, which I think is really cool. Yeah, you say the word there, components. Um, and we, Shopify in January this year, we la launched our composable stack, which is called Commerce Components. So you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, from the Nordic perspective, I think that is something that, is um, is really interesting with Shopify. We have a super strong legacy and also a continued focus on the entrepreneurs around the world. Like you said, it should be easy to start your business. You should be able to do it quickly and then focus on building your brand, building your business, not taking care of the technical aspects of you know a checkout. Shopify does that for you. But to your point, the biggest brands of the world are also using Shopify today. I think one of the most um, perhaps exciting uh, announcements that came out is actually Supreme a global brand changing over to Shopify uh, this year. So, uh, and and locally, we've seen brands like Jay Lindeberg change to Shopify in Sweden, and in Finland, to mention a few. You know, we have Fatser, we have Moomin. Uh, so there's there's definitely the big brands on the platform. Yeah, that's that that's actually really really cool, and I really like the Shopify sentiment of being very pro entrepreneur. I think your founder said something about Shopify is arming the rebels, fighting, fighting oh, yeah. the big guys. <laughs> I thought that I, I, I personally agree with that sentiment. So I think that's really cool. 
Um, yeah, Susan, we've talked about a lot of different things from acquisition to trends to uh, retention, uh, to, to different like product features and, and so on. But if there's someone listening right now and they feel maybe a bit overwhelmed because there's so much change, there's so many opportunities, um, let's say there's a Nordic merchant or brand, what do you think, what would be kind of your takeaway of like, if you're, do, if you're only going to take away one thing, if you're going to start doing change this one thing about how you're currently selling or marketing, um, what would that be? Well, if you're if you're going to take away one thing, I think it's about get to know your consumers well, understand who they are, understand why they buy from you, like invest your time in getting to know your community and to the retention point that we talked so much about these amazing tools we have available today, the, the, the social platforms and the different touch points to meet our consumers have offered us an increasing amount of basically like quick routes to access our merchant or access our consumers and to talk to them, ask questions. You know, it's if you have an Instagram account connected to your brand, ask your consumers what they think. Um, you know, create community nights if you're able to. I think it, that's, and even the smallest things, it's, it's, it still makes a difference. When the consumers feel like the brand is actually talking with them and not just to them, something magical happens. And that's what I would say. If, you, if you're just going to do one thing, uh, do that. And then if you have some more time, then dive into editions and check out the latest updates because that'll also tell you a little bit about, you know, the trends in commerce, Shopify's, you know, definitely um, at the tip of the spear when it comes to, um, uh, you know, uh, moving with the trends and, and leading the trends of, of, of commerce globally. So if you have a little more time to invest and investigate what's at the frontier of commerce, then addition is a good place to start. Thank you so much, uh, Susan, for taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, I wish you Joshua, uh, thank you for the... having me. <laughs> It was a pleasure. Um, wish you all the best this year, and uh, we'll be really excited to to see what you guys uh, what you guys are coming out in the pipeline and and launching next. Likewise, thank you so much, uh, Joshua and Genero, for for having me here today.